SequelCast 2 and Friends is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, go to greenlitpodcast.com. It's in the air! Ah! But right there, I spilled butter. After the credits roll, there's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast 2 and Friends, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. But this time we're having a special conversation about the Rocky Five work cut. It's also known as the director's cut with uh, Mike Kunda himself. He has the Yo Philly Rocky film tour. And he also wrote a memoir called Cue the Rocky Music and is the main subject of a recent documentary the uh, Pretender, directed by Jim Toscano. Mike, welcome to uh, the sequel cast. How you doing, guys? Great to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation because if anybody knows me, they know my favorite topic is Rocky. Sure. And um, when I was watching the uh, the documentary, but reading some of your interviews, I was really struck by, uh, you mentioned as a kid, you recorded the movie Rocky was on TV and it sounded like you recorded it to a cassette player so you could listen it to it in your room. Is that right? Yeah. When I would walk around the streets of Scranton, I would listen to it dressed like Rocky. And that's how I began my vocal interpretation of the Italian stallion, um, largely because I had no friends. So I would just walk away, walk around the neighborhood wanting to be Rocky, listening to the, uh, the tape recording. And along those lines, did you ever record your voice to a tape recorder imitating Rocky and would play it back or? Yeah, yeah, I would. I, I would. And, you know, it was it's right around the time you hit puberty and it wasn't a real gracious sound. So <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, enough of the recording. Let's just hope it gets deeper with age. <laughs> you know what? You you recording Rocky onto an audio cassette you know, speaks to something that I think is is universal with fans of a certain age. Because I did the exact same thing. I would make audio tapes of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you know, at the time, you know, I did it out of necessity because there were no blockbusters near us at the time. Well, there weren't any blockbusters uh, in 1979 when Rocky was on TV for the very first time. So I did that. But I also would record like the Three Stooges, Six Million Dollar Man and so on and listen to them back. Uh, That was my entertainment. There were only three Mm -hmm. channels on back then. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like, you know, it's like nowadays, uh, also, you know, if you're sitting on a bench or, you know, taking the train or whatever, you know, you can watch Rocky one, two, three on your laptop, tablet or phone, you know, and it's like, you know, you had to get a little more creative back then. You know, I remember, you know, copying videotapes, recording shows on whether it be on VHS or just getting audio because it was, you know, a way to have something that you love with you, you know what I mean? On the go. It was it was it was like it felt like the greatest thing ever back then. Now it seems so primitive, you know, when you look back on it. But that's a great point. Imagine walking around with a walk man it was like the size of a small microwave oven you'd have to have <laughs> it would be on your yeah. hip 
you know, and you'd be walking around with it. I mean, it was this massive, intrusive thing. So, you know, iPods come in very handy nowadays. They, they do. And in fact, you go back, you look at Rocky Four. I know Rocky Five we'll get to in a second. But Rocky Four, you have the robot, which people either love or hate. But everything that robot could do, your iPhone can do now. And it's in your pocket. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But we are very pro-robot here on the sequel cast, too. Well, you guys are going to hate Rocky Four, the re-edition, because he's gone. Oh, they I, heard. I heard that on Instagram. Yeah. Well, and I also wonder with that uh, Sylvester Stallone or Sly or whomever, you know, has mentioned he wants to, uh, it's kind of mentioned regrets about the score by Vince DiCola for Rocky Four. And I'm wondering if in that different cut, if he'll use Bill Conti cues from the other films instead. Yes, he is. Oh, he is. Okay. How about that? Yeah. So that'll really change the tone of a lot of that, I think. Well, he wanted a more soulful mm. Rocky Four, right? Because you know, any listen, I I uh, I love Rocky Four, but it's my least favorite movie uh, of in the, in the series. Not because it's necessarily horrible. It's uh, yeah, it's very jingoistic. It's very patriotic, flag waving. Okay, that that's all lovely. I think Rocky evolved to a level that I could no longer relate to. You know, it's very difficult mm. for me to relate to a pet robot, a driveway full of Lamborghinis and 2% <laughs> body fat. What right. I could relate to is someone with no friends and the people he did have in his life didn't understand him. And he walked around the streets all the time and couldn't get a girlfriend. So that I got but this Rocky four. It was spectacular. And, you know, that takes us to Rocky five, which, you know, is, uh, I think a horse of a different color altogether. Yeah. And I think in recent years, Rocky five's gotten a, a big reevaluation because I think it was really poo pooed by the critics and everyone back, back when it came out. Uh-huh. And then it's gotten this reappraisal because like you said, you kind of have this almost unrelatable, um, you know, ascension of the character with four, you know, like you said, he's living in the mansion, he's buying, you know, robots. And then with five, it brings it back to basics. You know, he's back on the streets. You know, his kids got to readjust and everything. And, you know, suddenly, you know, we're kind of back where we were with the the first Rocky film. And I feel like in many ways it sets up the Creed films as well, having Rocky be the mentor, not the Mm. the star. Yeah, that's what I thought Creed was. Creed was everything Rocky five to a lot of people maybe had missed the mark on, you know. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what you guys think. Rasher, what thoughts do you have on Rocky Five? Just going back to revisit it with this uh, work print cut. Well, it, it's a lot of the way I feel about it has to do with my feelings about Rocky Four uh, mm. and about how I, I believe when we reviewed Rocky Four for the first time, I had said that as a movie, it is a victory lap. And, and that's part of the reason why it is so larger than life, so beyond belief. Uh, and then... Rocky five is a, it, it is a, a stripping down. Uh, it is, it is, it is a stripping down of all the, I mean, what might as well be fantasy elements from, from Rocky four and, and, you know, seeing it in the form of a work print print with all those artifacts left over from the filmmaking process still in it, it really just make the movie just feel that much more gritty, that much more down to earth, that, that much more, more dragged through the mud, uh, you know, as Rocky is dragged through the mud. There's, there's a lot of great things about Rocky four and Rocky five is really interesting. Like I said, it's gotten this reappraisal and the whole notion of director's cuts and work prints. I mean, every great film out there, there's always a alternate version. We might not ever see whether it's the missing reel from Magnificent Ambersons or the work print of apocalypse now, or, you know, what have you. But every once in a while, we get like, you know, the director's got a lawnmower man and that's in perfect condition. And then, you know, we get the work print cut of Rocky Five and it's like, 
awesome. You know, it's so great yeah. that we have a living in an era where this stuff can happen, you know, fairly regularly. Yeah, and quickly too. You know, yeah, I yeah. mean, mm. uh, if I had a digitized copy of it, it would be out there for free for everyone to see it. I just, I don't have a, I have no way to make a digitized copy because my computers are all like nineteen years old. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But yes, it does. It, 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 it's amazing the times that we are living in to get this stuff. Definitely, and and watching this uh, different cut of Rocky Five. I mean, the one thing that jumped out to me, I couldn't shut up about it on. Facebook to my co-host here is Rocky's uh, pancake monologue. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's only a minute, but mm -hmm. you can see as an actor, he's completely fearless in that moment and how he's willing to just throw himself in there and kind of go all over the place. It reminded me as kind of like the flip side of his uh, speech from first blood. There were pieces of him all over me at the end and both. Oh yeah. Him. Yeah. Right. Because he's just really, um, I'm not sure if he's improvising, but he makes it, he takes these pauses to think he really does a lot of movement with his hands and isn't afraid to make himself look weak or stupid or whatever. He's just really in that moment. And there's something that felt really pure about that coming from Rocky. Uh, I love the character of Rocky, but he's a bit of a doofus and uh, in Rocky five, especially with the brain damage uh, in this uh, extended cut, they kind of whack that point over and over again. But I think that it's kind of the scene that, displays it the most like he's not a bad guy he's not harming people he's just a bit more sillier than usual and, and getting drunk but he's a nice drunk unlike Polly, who's not such a nice drunk in the original rocky what i love about that scene and i'm so glad that you brought that up and when i was going through this this morning i, I rewatched it again and i put a, a a short video of right after this that pancake speech where Everyone starts calling him loser. Aren't you embarrassed to come back here? And he's about ready to walk out of the bar. And then the way he holds his head high, you know, mm. we see that it bothers him. I mean, it, it, He's okay with it because he knows he's established. And anyways, I had said a, a few things about it and Sly wrote me and he said, I couldn't agree with you more, meaning my take on it. The wow. film was the, the film was cut very poorly and I should have imposed my will a bit more. There are a multitude of scenes missing that would have made the film a lot less depressing. If there was ever a film that needed to be recut, this is the one. I doubt that will ever happen, but thank you for doing uh, this podcast. And he also said that he, 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 he should have directed this movie. He really should have. Yeah, which is, it's funny because like you were saying with the, the pancake monologue, and it does have this like very quick um, kind of like unmoored, you know, loose uh, feel where, you know, Sly really gets to kind of show off his acting chops. And um, it was a return to form, I feel like, having John Abelson back in the director's seat because, you know, he obviously directed the first uh, first Rocky film. And, you know, he's very much, uh, Abelson was very much a part of the new Hollywood with his uh, 1970 film Joe with uh, Peter Boyle, which is a really good flick. Um but yeah, you kind of get this like kind of like scrappy rough street feeling with these um, with some of these scenes that were cut. And it just I think it would have given the film so much more um, atmosphere and texture of character had they not been omitted. Well, actually, I was wondering if I could actually be a, a, a little bit uh, self in, indulgent. Uh, Go for and, it. Uh, Mike, I just seeing seeing you uh, in in The Pretender, uh, I did I did have a question. Just what is with the the yo philly uh rocky tour that you do what is like what is just your your favorite piece of location trivia or location lore you have uncovered as part of that tour 
I yeah, boy, it's such a great question. So I, I'd say the easy part of that to answer is the gym, Mighty Mix Gym, um, the where the pet shop used to be. It got torn down about three years ago. Was right across the street from the gym where the fight took place, Rocky Five. That's my favorite area to go to. And there's a great story I told my tours uh, when I'm there about how Sylvester came across the Rocky Hat. It was a hat store or a, um, a five and dime second uh, hand clothing store right down the street from Mighty Mix Gym. And there was a little bit of time to kill. And so Stallone was dressed as Rocky with the coat and the bruised eye, this uh, cigarette and everything. But he, he needed to finish the look. And when he was a kid, he loved Charlie Chaplin's um, the, uh, the Little Tramp. And he thought, what a great way for a silent movie. To, you can tell a lot about a character by the accessories he has, the cane, the hat, whatever. And he thought, boy, I think I'm going to incorporate that someday if I, if I ever am able to. So here he goes into this store and he finds for $5 this old, ugly, beat up, dark navy blue fedora. And it fit. But it was so beat up and it was so hellacious and it, it didn't it wouldn't hold up past the second movie. So he had to go to Barron's Hollywood hat store to have them make another fedora for Rocky five because the other one just wouldn't hold up well. So they had to rough it up a little bit to, for continuity. And they also made the same half for Rocky Balboa. But there's a million and one stories I could tell you about it, but that's one of my favorites. And don't you love that? How something as you know seemingly simple as a hat has this whole life behind it, you know, changes like, everything, changes really everything. Does. Yeah, like Jimmy Stewart always wore the same hat for all the westerns that he did with Anthony yeah. Mann. You know what I mean? Every every little bit there's something going on. It's like every every the production of every film could be the script for another film. You know what I mean? Oh, completely. And that's such a great uh, analogy. Uh, it could be a script for another film. And I wish there was a making of film. I wish Sly wrote we could make like. <laughs> the making of Rocky and have all young mm. actors cast it and go back to December of 75 in Philadelphia and see like, you know, it all transpire. I mean, I would love that. <laughs> oh yeah. And like the meta savvy crowd that we have nowadays, I think, you know, there would be a potential audience for that. I mean, like I said, I'd be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's a great thing. But yeah. That, that's my favorite, but there's, I, there's a million stories Sly's told me over the years that I relate to these, uh, to my, my clients on the tours and uh, everyone seems to enjoy it. So thanks for asking that. We well, you know if that if that making of Rocky movie ever gets made, I just want to put myself forward uh, for the part of a location scout turned independent filmmaker Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman. Now you right. guys know that Lloyd was the guy that was on the ground. That Rocky, yeah, he was the bomb. Yes. He yep. was the bomb. Oh, I, nice. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that they didn't have any money to pay anybody, so it was Lloyd. Yeah, it's like you could draw maps with these things. You know, all the all Crazy. the different connections. It's it's wild. And like you were saying with the um, with the meta commentary and stuff and like the making of the of the film and that, you know, there's a, you know, such a propensity for fan culture. And, you know, it's really cool seeing people get together and have the shared enthusiasm for something like Rocky as if they would, you know, you usually see this level of enthusiasm with something like Star Wars or, you know, fantasy right, and stuff right. like that. But I almost like can relate to something like, you know, like the like what you do with the tours and that because like Rocky's got like so much more like humanity and heart to it, you know, and yeah. it's like it's such it's the best of the best underdog stories, you know, it's like anyone can be Rocky. I could be Rocky. You know what I mean? Well, you and are. We, we all yeah, are. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. Rocky. There is a part of us. Like I always thought that Rocky, the best parts of Sylvester Stallone made the composition of Rocky. So like, I know Stallone isn't Rambo. I know he doesn't right. wear a headband and go on a bus looking for a seat with an M60. I, <laughs> but there is a part of Rambo in down deep in Stallone. There is a part of uh, Rocky Balboa. There's more than a part of Rocky. I feel in Stallone and in, in, so too with you guys and anybody else listening to this, that is Rocky. He is any of us that have ever been passed over or, or felt uh, judged on the way that we looked or maybe on a, a one slight thing that people think they have an idea about us. And we never get that shot, unrecognized dreams. That's really what Rocky was all about and a love story. And I mean, you put those two together and I mean, there you go. You got an Oscar winning movie. With this cut, thought like the the image quality is pretty rough. It looks like it's from like a third generation videotape, but I felt like that almost made it feel better, like almost the the gritty nature of it. You're trying to get things back to basics, and that the the quality on this, at least as it stands now, looks like a bootleg. Makes it feel more uh, special, more gritty, not as not as clean, right? And uh, that adds to it. But I mean, uh, this reminds me a lot of a cut we talked about recently on this show, the Godfather Three Coda cut from uh, Francis Ford Coppola where some things are fixed here and there, but on the other hand, like you can't expect it to work miracles. I am just uh, surprised about with Rocky V is it's a movie I like I like more every time I see it. And I especially liked that you had some additional moments. Rocky and of, of Tommy especially is portrayed a bit better in this, has a bit more to go on. But it, to me, like the big flaw of Rocky V is Tommy doesn't come in the movie until about 40 minutes in. And to me, I think that's almost too late because you have so many different plates they're trying to keep in the air. Hmm. Yeah, there's um, interesting. I like what you said about the the quality because at first I was like, oh, geez, here we go. And then once it, it got going and, you, you know, your eyes and your attention, it just adjusts to it. And then it was one of those things where I was like, I'm actually better off watching this than, you know, sometimes like they did with Exorcist uh, 3, they would put the um you know formerly lost footage edited back in so you'd go from regular blu-ray quality to a vhs quality i'd actually feel better just for having straight one format you know so just watching the scrappy vhs copy all the way through because it kind of takes you out of the film when you jump from one, one visual format to another for the missing omitted scenes you know what i mean so i it, even though it was a little rough at times it was actually kind of enhancing experience of getting the kind of you know gritty uh you know rough hewn uh, bootleg feel well, the other thing about uh, about Tommy's introduction being so held back uh, in the work print cut is that when Tommy finally shows up, it's like a different Rocky sequel has invaded the Rocky sequel I'm watching. That's kind of funny. You know, the more I watched uh, this, I, I never even noticed that he doesn't come in late. I, I, it, it was okay with me. I, I felt um, I, I was so... Because uh, I usually watch this every six months, this uh, work print. And mm -hmm. so I watching it again i just you know began remembering some of the, the the images that i forgot and i i thought you know tommy morrison was was better in the work print than in the theatrical version yeah. i thought maybe there's less of them maybe he spoke less but it worked it's like ivan drago all right dolph lundgren i mean there was no long you know speeches by drago but it worked and I think the same thing for Tommy Gunn. I mean, I know he wasn't an actor. He was a, a athlete, a, a real boxer, but it seemed to work much better in this one. 
I think the uh, the introduction of the character, like Matt said, is um, it, it feels a little late. So I think um, when if you think about it, you'll feel a little more. But also, I think the thing too is that he goes from uh, you know understudy to villain so quickly in a way, and then it, it's almost like a, it flips into a, a different kind of movie too. And I like the flip because you they you can tell they're hinting at that this is going to go wrong because you can see that it's kind of putting some distance between rocky and his family especially his son especially yeah. um and so like in the back of our minds we're kind of thinking like i don't know if i i'm not i don't know how to feel about this tommy guy i don't think i like him and then that instinctual feeling it kind of you know it pays off when he flips on on rock and everybody and it's just kind of like that feeling you get. It's like when you introduce like uh like when your dog doesn't like someone, you know what I mean? You're kind of like, okay, this is why, you know, uh, you know, dog was growling at, you know, this dude, Tommy, because he's, we know he's going to turn, you know? Well, that's, you know, the other thing too, I thought was interesting. Okay. So we definitely, it, we, anybody who knows these stories know that Sly writes from his own life experience. So there was whatever Rocky five esque life, real life thing that happened that inspired him to put into the characters. Well, the only thing is, okay, we see Rocky went off course a little bit and he put his faith in the wrong guy, Tommy Gunn. But I just thought Adrian and junior could have given him a little more slack. I mean, they had millions of dollars, right? Rocky right. Paulie makes a mistake. Rocky wants to get them. Maybe they aren't going to be all the way back because he can't fight again, but he could get them out of the gutter again, right? So he's, right. you got to invest time. Sorry, Adrian, take care of the kid in the house. We, I'm going to try to get us more money so you don't got to work back in Kensington at the fish. That's the mm. all. I did feel a little bit of that. I was like, come on, the guy's trying to do something good here for you it's not like he's banging whores at the strip club you know what i mean <laughs> jesus oh yeah and like you know he can't fight so he's got to do the next best thing which is you know right. coach you know be a you know um uh, agent what have you you know isn't it funny though in today's world rock you wouldn't have to worry about him collecting for gazzo who cares i mean if mike tyson can come back you mean jesus rocky could commentate do he could just talk through a commercial he just talk about the product nice product it smells good that's it like in today's world he would be a millionaire in the blink of an eye all over again well, rocky you you know he would have his own podcast and i would pay to hear rocky talk about stamps.com <laughs> exactly oh, yeah. uh, today we got the blue fowler uh up on the roof it's a, a blue bird with a orange beak i'd listen to rocky no matter what he said it'd be great you know his twitter feed would have a million followers you know <laughs> exactly. hey you know i'm a little sore tonight you know i gotta try a new workout you know <laughs> exactly yo yo adrian yo 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 rocky what are you doing <laughs> just warming up <laughs> it would be I, great speaking of uh pro it's not a rocky project exactly but it was a stallone product i regret not trying when it came out in the early 2000s, I'm talking about the Sylvester Stallone uh, protein pudding. Amazing. In stone. Yeah. It was a, it was yeah. a health line that he had. It That's was right. brilliant. Yeah. And he the had the magazine too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sly magazine. The in-stone pudding was seriously amazing. I mean, it could be a small meal. Um, I, it was great. I, want, I sometimes am tempted to buy one on eBay. I'm not sure if I could still eat it, but maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'll do that on YouTube or something. Maybe you get slide to sign it. Now you're talking some money. Yeah, there oh, you yeah. go. Yeah. Reaction videos to 
30 year old pudding but <laughs> right well, i think i noticed uh too with the with the work print i think um the more the, the inclusion of mickey having more uh mickey flashbacks and stuff i i liked it because i mean burgess meredith is just a terrific actor i'm always happy to see him and you know throughout the film he's constantly saying you know hey mickey show me this and mickey would always say that it kind of gives those sayings a little more payoff when he's always yeah. referencing mm-hmm. all the time you know it's almost like they were building to see Mickey somehow. Right. Yeah, right. it was like building up to it. And, you know, another thing I thought was kind of interesting that I had forgotten about in the theatrical cut, they're watching Christmas Vacation when Tommy is late for Christmas dinner. And then in oh. this one, of course, they're watching It's a Wonderful Life, which mm-hmm. uh, is kind of interesting. And I wonder if it had anything to do with a letter that uh, Frank Capra sent Stallone after Rocky um won at the oscars but stallone lost for best actor which was a bunch of crap to begin with because how do you win director at at best movie but the lead actor loses come on crazy right yeah and that's funny too because uh it's a wonderful life is in the public domain and it has been forever so it couldn't have been a rights issue um i don't know what it was yeah, it must have been a creative choice or something. Maybe maybe they didn't think that like kids that age would be watching It's a Wonderful Life, but Yeah. Oh, cuz it was knows, black and right? white, could be. Right, right. But I mean, also back then you watched whatever was on TV. <laughs> so, that's true. The only yeah. thing I can think is that even though the film itself would have been public domain, maybe you'd still have to clear like the license the likeness rights for like James Stewart and everybody else. So, I'm not sure. That's true too, yeah. Uh, what did you guys feel about the fight? I, I thought the fight was superior to the theatrical fight. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. There's a bit more to it. At the same time, it still feels a bit short. And uh, yeah. part of me wishes somehow they would have figured out, although the street fight, it, it's a cute novelty. Having the final thing in the rain is something all the other movies do. They could have Maybe they could have broken into Mickey's gym and had a final fight in there after fighting each other in the street. Like, who knows? But it, it is it is better in this cut. It's a bit more intense. I do even prefer uh, Mickey shouting, uh, beat the shit out of him. That seems to yeah. give it a bit more energy. It's not yeah. quite as, as cheesy. The fight's more kinetic. And then just mm-hmm. in, the, in the work print, since we've, since we've had more time with Mickey, Mickey showing up that one final time is that vision to tell Rocky to just lay into the guy, to lay into Tommy. It gives it that much more impact. And you I know, think like, if we're going to have Mickey, that's the time we have Mickey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's going to come in this movie. That's when you need Mickey above all else, above, uh, above all the other times he was in it. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. And the other interesting thing is I, of all the times I've seen this um, uh, work print, I f- forgot that when Tommy challenges Rocky after he hits Paulie in the bar, they all go out the front door and they fight in the middle of the street. And in the theatrical cut, of course, you remember, they go out the back door to the back alley in back of the bar. Well, in real life, there is no back alley. There's nothing. Oh. You have about three feet and then it's another row house, right? Ah. So there's no room back there. There's an alleyway that you can walk from in back of the bar to the street where Tommy and Rocky come out of that gate. But there is so that was a Hollywood stage they filmed that on. Yeah, because there were there was a pretty, uh, pretty well, big, good size amount of uh, extras in the crowd there. So that's yeah, I had to probably navigate around that. Well, one thing that stood out to me 
watching this again. And I'm, Mike, I wanted to ask you this because I, I know for a fact you have more uh, experience with, uh, you know, working out and uh, training than I ever have in my life. <laughs> but in the fight scene, I noticed, you know, obviously they're not boxing. There's no ref. There's nothing, nothing like that. So they're playing down and dirty. And um, obviously it's a, you know, it's a con it's a contrast to the other boxing finales in the Rocky films. But one thing I noticed is that there's a lot of tackling, you know, stuff like that. But Rocky throws a series of rabbit punches in the back of the head. And yeah. rabbit punches are a big, big, super big no-no in boxing because you can oh, really yeah. mess something up, right? Yeah. No, you're you're 100 percent right on that. <laughs> what what does Rocky say earlier though at Mickey's gym when Tommy Gunn is beating on Benson in the ring? Oh yeah. And it's ain't no mugging, you know, it's ain't no street right. fight. It's something I do know a little bit about, you know what I mean? But so but you're right, yeah. Rabbits are no good. Yeah, and I wondered if that was like part of the contrast of like, hey, we're not in the ring, man. So do exactly you right. You're you're you nailed it. Yeah, ex exactly right. That that is just significant of anything goes in a street fight. I mean, you know, today I think you get MMA guys trying to rip out their throats, pulling more of a Rambo than than a Rocky. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah. Now, also, did any of you guys notice? Even though in the theatrical version, Little Marie gets removed, we still see Little Marie in the theatrical version. If you know who she is, what she looks like, you can place her in the fight crowd at the end. Of course, it was removed because, as Sly also told me about that scene, um, it was just really poorly uh, executed all the way around. It was ill-conceived, as he told me. And so I thought, you know, I want to know what you guys thought about the Little Marie scene. The, the Little Marie scene, it's okay. It's just tricky to put myself in the mindset of not having seen Rocky Balboa already where it was developed into sort of a, a mature friendship between the two and uh, he's kind of a mentor to her and it, it just seems like like one too cute reference to many in, yeah. in the work print of Rocky 5 it is not it's it not didn't necessary work, right it yeah no no I don't think it worked at all and or, or if it if they would have brought her back for some more scenes maybe you could have made that work but it was a good move I think for them to cut that one yeah, yeah, de definitely a, a good move on that. And, you know, again, here Sly wanted to kill off the character of Rocky. Mm -hmm. Wanted to kill him off. Right. I mean, it was the, the ultimate worst decision Stallone would have ever made because, one, I wouldn't have a tour business because my, <laughs> my tour business happened because of Rocky Balboa. But but seriously, even even as great as Sylvester is knowing this, even he had to take a step back and the producers had to say, no, Sly, you know, you don't kill Superman, you don't kill Batman or you don't kill Santa. Well, you don't kill Rocky. Yeah. Once you get to Roman numeral five, you don't you know, you don't you don't pull the plug. I think we can do about one question a piece as we wrap things up here. I don't know. Let, let's say let's say your wife had to pick. A Sylvester Stallone movie for you two to watch, but it wasn't Rocky or Rambo. What do you think she would pick? Um, she would probably pick either Copland or oh, uh, Cliffhanger. Either of those two. She because she really really loves that. But her favorite Stallone movie is Rocky Two. Not bad. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have married her if it wasn't. Come on, guys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, Thrasher. In uh, in in the Pretender, there's this uh, wonderful series of scenes where you're you're kind of working a crowd at an Italian restaurant. <laughs> it's, do, it's doing a rocky night. Yeah. And, and I guess I, I guess I, I I've I've got to I've I've got to ask when, when you when you've been in that that situation, you're, you know, you're always talking about how hungry seeing the people eat is making you. What what is the best Italian dinner you think you've ever had, like out on the road? So doing gigs and being on the road and traveling the East Coast, I never I, I never I don't eat because my nerves are always so focused. So I never get a chance really to enjoy the food when I'm out. However, 
I did have a brajol that was almost as good as my mother's in Delaware one time. So that I'd have to say was with a red sauce and it was, it was, it was pretty damn good. Sounds great. Uh, Alex. It was really, it was really inspiring to see uh, the film in building uh, a fan base around something that, cause you know, you have people from the role uh, sharing this enthusiasm for something that you so clearly, uh, so clearly love. Um, and it, you know, it's cool because sometimes like personally, like I don't have the same enthusiasm for something like Star Wars or Star Trek, like, you know, or Lord of the Rings or something like that. You know, like I don't dress up like a stormtrooper and go to Comic-Con, you know? Yeah. So it was cool seeing like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, like there's someone else out there that is, you know, pumped about something that's not like, uh, you know, such a mainstream franchise out there. And uh, yeah. so that was really cool. Um, I was going to ask, though, out of uh, the the non Rocky Stallone films and the non uh, Rambo Stallone films, um, which what's, what's another favorite of yours? I was going to ask about Copland, but I think Matt touched on that earlier. Paradise Alley, Lords of Flatbush. We see oh. a brilliant Sylvester Stallone. I mean, you're talking a young Brando in, in Lords of Flatbush. Go back and watch it. I'm telling nice. you, he was so good in that movie. I mean, really. And you, you, there's so much I could say about that. But I would say if I had to take a non-Stallone movie with me to a desert island, I would take Lords of Flatbush, Paradise Alley. And, and then Victory and then Nighthawks. Well, yeah, there hit, you go. That's the best stuff. Yeah, Copland's a personal favorite of mine. I, I always just thought that was a terrific film and a great, great performance from Sly. Um, and it kind of, there's a lot of, you know, people my age who didn't maybe grow up with the Rocky films like, you know, like a lot of us did. Yeah. And um, it kind of turned on a new generation to them in a, in a, in a way. Yeah, I so, think you're yeah. right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on SequelCast to discuss uh, your your life a bit and uh, Rocky Five, the Workbird cunt. Any last uh, final words you'd like to say? Uh, you know, just if anybody ever has, uh, if they have something that they wanted to do, it, no matter how bizarre or improbable that dream is, please don't let it go. Don't let it die. Keep trying. You Maybe you wanted to grow up and be a power forward for the Boston Celtics or the 76ers, but maybe you're only five foot seven. Okay, maybe you can't play basketball. What can you do? Maybe you could invent the best basketball sneaker or be the team's greatest doctor or invent some new uniform that's more comfortable to wear during games. You can be part of your dream in some way, some shape. Don't give up on your dream. That's the thing. I'm 52 years old. And I'm just hitting my, my peak now. So just keep going for it and um, keep passing the kindness to each other out there. It's a cruel world at times. So kindness rules. Definitely. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for that. It was a lot of fun having you on, Mike. And uh, we'll, thanks, we'll let guys. you know when the show goes up. You're welcome. Have a good yeah, night. send me the links, okay? Yeah, yeah, we'll send you the links. Well,